Hi guys, welcome to another episode of From Tip to Tail. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly, which is the only dedicated crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. My name is Sydney. And I'm Bridget. Today we're speaking to Mallory and Brooke from The Love Pit. Their mission is to reduce the homeless pit bull population through rescue, rehabilitation, training, and advocacy. We're excited to speak to them, so let's get started. So, hi, Mallory. Hi, Brooke. How are you today? Hey. Hey, I'm good. How are you? Great, great. So, we're here with Mallory, who is the Managing Director of Innovative Programs and Advocacy, and Brooke, the Director of PR and Communications, Um, and they're both with The Love Pit. So, ladies, we, first of all, love that you're like a lady duo (laughs) in rescue. Right. So good. Um, But so I guess we can start with either whoever wants to go first, but how did you both get into rescue? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'll go first. I basically got, we stumbled into rescuing a pit bull in like 2013 and then the love pit had this really strong presence on social media. And I think that's still true today. Thanks to, you know, Brooke and her team. Um, and I was like a total stalker of the love pit. Like I (laughs) shared all their stuff. I knew every single dog. I was so into it. And sadly I didn't realize I could volunteer during the years that I lived in a teeny studio apartment. So I just shared the heck out of all their stuff and followed along like the number one fan that I was. And as soon as I bought my house a couple years ago, literally I told my partner, I was like, we're fostering, you know, for that group, the love pit. And you know, that's, I've been super involved ever since. Um, and Brooke, you probably have a similar story, but what's yours? Yeah. So for me, um, in 2017, we adopted my second dog from the Humane Society of North Texas. And she's this little 40 pound dog and she had a big wide forehead and she was described as a terrier mix. And I was like, oh, sure, that sounds good. And she's a beautiful little brindle dog. So we brought her home and when I was out walking her, sometimes people would kind of cross the street or they go, oh, you have a pit bull. When you, you know, <laughs> like, it, just, it was very strange. I'd never thought about it before. I'm like, no, this is a terrier mix, which actually we later got her tested. And she is half pit, half boxer. Um, so I, then I kind of just started saying it probably like, well, yeah, well, my husband and I just got a pit bull. And so... <laughs> I was, I was at a Christmas party and someone said, Oh, well, have you heard of the love pit? And I was like, no, I haven't I said, yeah, it's this, it's this group. They do great work. They're in Dallas. They do pit bull rescue. You should follow them. So I did. And kind of like now I started sharing everything, seeing all the pictures. And then about six months later, they posted just the chonkiest little white pit you've ever seen in your life. Just this, she's so attorney and she's so cute. And her name was mama's and we, we had to adopt her and named her Pearl because she's, round and white and precious and it was such a good experience like it was so cool that I was working with a completely foster-based volunteer-based kind of program everybody was so passionate about what they do and it was such a good experience that I really wanted to keep working with them and, and kind of advocating for this breed and making a success so and then we got a we got a third pit bull so we have three pit bulls <laughs> and um and a little grumpy chihuahua who's sleeping behind me <laughs> who Brooke calls her pit bull ally, which I think is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, he's a pit ally. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. And I, I mean, I love that because I think, I mean, 
probably during COVID. I know there have obviously been so many people like fostering and Mm -hmm. like joining up with different rescues and adopting. And I'm sure like because of it, there are going to be so many like like fans that grow in like for like the love pit and for the other rescues around the country. I mean, I, cause I know like just from what we've seen, I mean, once you get involved, it's like hard to stop a little bit. <laughs> totally. It's like yeah. you, I didn't really know. I was like broke. I didn't really know I was a pit bull advocate and I start hearing from people, whatever in the neighborhood. I'm like going, is this people's perception? How bizarre. I, I mean, just this morning, I was walking my dog, oh, sorry, Mal, but no, uh, go ahead. just this morning, I was walking my dogs, and this little boy comes up, and he goes, it was, I was with Pearl, and he said, is that a Boston Terrier? And I said, no, this is a pit bull, and he pulls his hand back, and he's like, oh, my mom says pit bulls are mean, and I was like, no, actually, most pit bulls are really nice. He says, my mom says they're mean, even if you're nice to them, and I was like, no, actually, all pit bulls are nice, just the problem is a lot of people are mean to them, mm-hmm. and they get scared. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's so true that's really sad that that's something that people are still teaching each other um yeah. and i feel like though like and from what we've heard too like you sort of just need to meet one pit bull and you're like right. oh no like you're just a big baby like mm-hmm. <laughs> oh you just True. want your belly rubbed you'll do anything for a belly rub and um, the interesting thing marshmallows that, on legs. <laughs> yeah. yes and you get such um I think a lot of people don't realize this, but you get a really big mixed bag. So you can't generalize people or animals ever, but especially with quote unquote pit bulls, that name encompasses so many different like true breeds and they're not, you know, this really, um, oh, how do I say this? I don't want to use the word. Um, Yeah, they're not this really highly regulated group right that's like going for ten thousand dollars and um very few breeders you have people who just don't spay and neuter you've got a lot of stray animals unfortunately that have a little bit of some kind of pit breed mixed in so when you're getting to work with these dogs in shelters you're truly getting like such a mixed bag of like the outgoing the shy the short stocky like characters that look like a cartoon some of them (laughs) do have boxer mixed in so really as you get to know them and you're fostering or volunteering it's it's just like amazing how many different personalities i know i sound like a total dweeb but dogs just have (laughs) such personalities like people do totally no it's so true (laughs) i mean yeah we have like a ton of office dogs and I know I was gonna say yeah every I single one of them has now. a different I'm so personality. <laughs> it's well I mean some are just like if they have a personality where you're, you're like you can only come in on fun days you yeah. can't come in on work days because <laughs> yeah. you'll just distract everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah like there's a reason why my chihuahua's in the room and like everyone else is, is not like they're just they would just be up in my business and giving kisses and want to see who's talking I have a selected <laughs> dog over here too and I kicked everybody else out that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if only they knew, if only you could like tell them, like if you were on your best behavior, then maybe, right. but anyhow, well, so, so before we really get into a bunch of what the love pit is all about, um, I mean, I'm just wondering how, how's everything going during COVID? Cause I feel like it's just made everyone shift so much. I mean, as far as adoptions and fostering, volunteering, I mean, um, there's so much going on there. So how, how have things been going for the love pit during COVID-19? Brooke, do you want to kind of speak to that? Cause you've been busy. <laughs> um, 
we have been busy. It actually has been a whole, it's been really a good opportunity for us to look at our practices and reset. So I think a lot of people are seeing really great numbers with people stepping up to foster, people stepping up to adopt. And we've had the time to slow down and look at our processes and make sure what we're doing is best for the dogs and best for our volunteers. Um, fundraising obviously has been slow. It's hard for a lot of people. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not been a great time, but if there's anything positive in it, it has given us the time to really assess and decide where we want to grow from it. Sid and Bridget, do either of you guys um, foster at all or volunteer with rescue groups? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, so just during <laughs> during COVID, because I'm usually oh like traveling around um, because of conferences and different animal welfare events, but because of COVID, I live alone and I'm trapped in my little apartment. And so mm -hmm. I fostered uh, two different litters of kittens. I'm on my second one now. Um, so cool. Oh it's, my gosh. It's I been feel so like fun. <laughs> Well, so when you talk to different people that, that foster, volunteer, donate, get involved in all these different ways, um, it's so important that you're communicating efficiently and getting things done. Like Brooke said, you know, your, your procedures for medical, for training, for the whole adoption process, how do we do events? How do we kind of build out our programs? We want everybody every step of the way to be super satisfied so that we can continue to grow our foster team. We call ourselves a foster family. If that's not cheesy, I don't know what is, but you know, we are kind of a family. And so we want everyone to stick around and be happy and just be um, feeling so fulfilled and, and knowing that their, their time and their efforts are really efficient. So that's been kind of cool to, like Brooke said, to, to get to really like perfect some of the things we do or mm -hmm. um, how we do them. That's, I would say that's the biggest thing we've taken advantage of through this kind of quarantine. Yeah, it is kind of fun too. It's, it's kind of like you've like joined a club and it's like you <laughs> have the same interests and you're like, show me your kittens or like, you know, show me your foster dog. Um, and we say, show me your pitties. That's like our breast cancer awareness thing every October and everyone gets such a, oh, I love that. That's so fun. <laughs> no, what I mean, I feel like I know for me, like I'm, I miss hanging out with my coworkers, my friends. And so having like this extra group where I'm like, like, Hey everyone, like kittens, I color just changed and like, or like little updates and being able to check in on them. It's been something like extra social for, for me. Right. Too. And then like, you might just have cats or dogs in common. So I feel like I'm friends with people that I never would have met in a million years. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I catch myself saying, Oh, I have a really good friend that does this or knows about that and you know some of my like old yeah I mean I, like who <laughs> I would totally agree with that like you just I mind getting involved in PLT so in my work in digital advertising and when I took on the role for PR at TLP everything I do in my real job benefits what I do for TLP and then vice versa so I feel like I've grown such a better social circle I've grown as a pet parent I'm I'm just happier my professionally better it's, it's just been such a good move all being involved mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you both have jobs outside of rescue? Yes. We're yeah. both. So we're all unpaid hundred percent from executive director to um, those of us at the kind of director, managing director levels are all our coordinators, our fosters, our trainers. We're all, I mean, I would say 90% of us have full-time jobs. I'm actually a cool. flight attendant. And like Brooke said, she's oh in. Uh, do you say advertisement or marketing Brooke? Um, 
Digital marketing. Digital marketing. Okay. (laughs) Um, And Brooke and I both foster. I mean, a lot of us, I would say most of our volunteers foster. Wow. I mean, that's that's a good thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, you guys are such a big organization too for, mm-hmm. for all of you to be, I mean, I think there, there's the perception of like, because you're working so hard, it must be like everything you do. Right. I mean, it, it probably still is everything you do, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that you would, that would be your full-time job. So like the fact that you're balancing all that, um, that's incredible, especially you for such what, a Bridget, great work. Yeah. Brooke nailed it. She mentioned like being a better pet parent. And seriously, my partner and I were really worried. We had two dogs going into the foster thing a couple years ago. And I feel just like Brooke, like um, we were worried that we were going to take away from our pets, right? Like not have as much time or give them enough attention, especially because we put a lot of stress on um, decompression time and keeping the dogs separate and rotating until they're comfortable together. I can't even tell you how much I've learned. Like my Per, we've we've added a personal pet um, and we've consistently fostered for the last two years and our dogs are like totally benefiting from all of it because our training team and our foster team are super knowledgeable and supportive and it's just been like a game changer for us at my house. Wow that's so great I mean yeah I so how many so are you both so you, Okay, wait, Brooke. So you have four <laughs> dogs of your own. Sorry. <laughs> but you have yes, four dogs of your own and you're fostering as well? Yeah. So there was one point. Um, usually we have, so one of the fosters was, was not a foster fail, but a foster win. So now we have four <laughs> residents. Like that. Um, and then in January, we had one foster from TLP named Porkchop. And I had just evaluated this super mangy, just miserable looking dog named Bueno at a tiny rural shelter. And we were at a time when we, just, our fosters were really full and it didn't work to be taken in. And so I talked to my husband, I was like, we said we wanted to save dogs, but that's what we do here. So for a while we had two fosters plus four residents. Wow. <laughs> wow. For one. I'm like, I think my house is super busy because I have, um, I have three dogs of my own. So I'm like, just like trying to add another one. Like I really, really want to, but I'm like, Oh, I feel like I would go a little crazy just with all the dogs. Like, it got to be a lot. Like it was, it was a lot to take on, <laughs> but you know, like, like Mallory saying, they all such, such personalities, like pork chop was kind of, kind of took care of himself and he was very, he was very mellow and he kind of babied the other dogs. So it's kind of him. And then um, my two other dogs were Obama dogs before I got them. So they kind of, they're kind of like little babysitters. They helped me take mm. care of the younger ones. So just ah, finding the so, right personality um, to work. Exactly. And so uh, Porkchop got adopted in early March, and then Bueno just got adopted last week, and they are in love with him. It is such a happy ending. Like, he went from this, just he was just a big, sad scab. And then now he's this gorgeous dog, that he's, he's worked through leash reactivity, and he's so loved in his new home. So it was such a happy story. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I love his name. <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> I mean, it's literally good dog, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's right there in the name. Well, so, well, then Mallory, how many pets do you, or how many residents and yeah. fosters do we, you have? <laughs> we have three resident dogs and we have one foster right now. Um, Nice, nice. Yeah, and one of ours is a, was a former foster too, so I know how that goes. But yeah, I kind of have. We've learned a lot and gotten into a routine. And I agree, like their personalities kind of help when they all 
gel as a little pack and mine are all like couch potatoes so I'm so lucky (laughs) they all just like mosey around and go for occasional strolls but love that yeah I think for people like Sid for people that can't you know foster don't have the time don't have the flexibility um I think that's something we're really passionate about at TLP is Brooke and I are are both yeah I do the programs she does the the PR so she gets she does a great job of like sharing all the information with the public but Mm -hmm. For me, that's like a huge, huge factor is, is helping people realize that they can still be making a difference even if they can't foster. Yeah, definitely. Well, even like as you guys were saying it, like as like, I guess during this whole thing, I, I, I really, or I guess ever since I started working at Cuddly, um, yeah. I really, really wanted to foster a dog. Um, but all of mine are like hyper, like none of mine are like, I have one that's a couch potato. The rest are like completely like crazy and like jump off couches. Um, I guess I... I never thought, like, I guess finding the certain personality that's going to work, um, you know, because that, that would definitely be an option. I guess I would just have to, I would have to make sure, because I never want to, like, overstimulate, you know, that animal, depending on what their past was or things like that. That's the only thing that ever stopped me from doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, hearing that you guys are doing it, that kind of gives me, like, renown and hope that, like, yeah. I, so you just have to find the right animal to foster that's going to do well in your home with your own pets. And neither and Brooke or myself. Are... Sorry. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we're not like professional dog trainers or evaluators, but we get to work with real dog trainers at the Love Pit. And we have this program called Shelter Helpers where the actual training team is um, is teaching, you know, regular people like all of us how mm-hmm. to evaluate dog body language, how to get in the shelter and try to decide whether some of these dogs are going to be a good fit for our program or not. So I'm just like mm-hmm. totally making this up off the top of my head. But <laughs> Sid, like for your pack, you maybe either need like a puppy who, not a puppy, mm-hmm. but a young dog with puppy-like behaviors that won't be offended and won't overcorrect your dogs that are super hyper, <laughs> or else maybe you do need a super tolerant couch potato to kind of like balance things out. I never would have been saying any of these things like two years ago before I got to just like <laughs> hang around the training team <laughs> and the shelter evaluators. Like, I just feel like I've learned so much. Um, and I, that's what I just like get so excited about is all these, we have, you know, our shelter uh, program. We have another program called Next Gen where we work with kids that are anywhere from like five years old to 15 um, just to kind of, I don't, I don't know how to say this, get in their heads, right? And so, so we don't have five-year-olds <laughs> running around. Yeah, like saying that pit bulls are mean. Yeah. Um, and, and the idea I mean, that, what if we'd you know, all grown up being told that pit bulls were good dogs and that we can make a difference for all homeless animals? Like, what if this is something that you believed about yourself and you didn't have to learn it when you were, like, I was 27. I was like, wait, a pit bull? I don't know about that. <laughs> well what if said. I grew up knowing it? I think that would be so exciting. Yeah. And another thing, Mallory, I wanted to mention um, that's so exciting about our program is we have um, a bully buddy program which is kind of what we call our foster liaisons. And so they work with each of our fosters on an individual basis to understand what your pack is like, what your experience is like, uh, what you're looking for in a dog. Oh, like, do you want that. something that you could work on and train? Do you want uh, a couch potato? And so they're going to look at the dogs that are up for intake into our program, mm-hmm. and we match them with the different foster homes. We really want to set everybody mm-hmm. up for success. Yeah, I love that a lot because I think that um, people that have their own pets of their own or have multiple pets of their own, that's more or less maybe makes them more hesitant to want to bring in another yeah. animal or to foster because they just don't know. They 
you know, you don't know how to either socialize properly. You don't want to get in over your head. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely wonderful that you guys do that. That's, I'm going to go check that out as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> yeah, yes, please do. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you must have a ton of, what did you call them? Foster, not failures, but. Um, <laughs> Foster, foster wins. Foster wins. Yeah. Foster wins. <laughs> I mean, if if a pet was being matched for my home, it would be so hard for me to be like, and now off you go. You know, but right? I, I mean, even with these fosters that I have now, I mean, it tends to be a little bit hard to let them go in the end. But but for me, I know I'm like, when the perfect family comes, it's like I can't say no to you. This is your opportunity there's, for such a good life. There's no feeling like it. Like last week um, for Bueno, like I said, I, I really nursed Bueno back from from Mange and we worked through a lot of training with him and he's such a fun little dog, but I, I always knew that he was going to get adopted. So we did the meet and greet. Uh, a trainer helped us with a meet and greet on Monday and it went so well. So they said, um, okay, well, why don't we do the drop off on Wednesday? And I said, okay, so I live in Fort Worth and they're out in Kaufman. So it's like an hour, an hour and 15 minutes away. And I was gear- gearing myself up. I would have all Tuesday with him and I would drop him off on Wednesday. Well, she, the family called me and they're like, well, actually, if you're not busy, we can take him today. Ah. <laughs> and I, I kind of, I kind of, I got on the couch with Bueno and like I started tearing up. Like I could, I wasn't ready to let oh, him go. Yeah. But as soon as I got him to that home, like you're just seeing like they had this little boy and he's so excited to have his new dog and they set up everything for him and they were giving him treats. And it's just this overwhelming feeling of what a difference he made. Like not just for the dog, but also mm-hmm. for the family. And so the entire drive back from Kaufman to Fort Worth, that hour, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, I couldn't stop smiling. And like, I couldn't even remember, like, I still missed my dog, but it was, it, this is what was supposed to happen. And it's, it's so hard to explain to people. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people say, I don't want to, I'm not going to fall, I can't let him go. And it's like, but it's not, it's not so and much like taking away a part of your family is making another family more complete. And with every foster dog, I'm always convinced, like, no one's going to love this dog as much as I do. Right. It's so cool to meet this total stranger who does love that dog as much as you do. And then they, a lot of times these adopters will turn into a foster or turn into a volunteer that's super involved. Um, They're advocating, you know, they're my Facebook friend and I see them sharing information or sharing the love pit posts left and right. We have this whole team um, for post-adoption support with like a big Facebook group for all our adopters. We call it TLP alum um, for, you know, and so people can be there to support and share resources with each other and share fun pictures, Ask questions and share photos. Yeah. But it's really cool to see, like, sometimes I feel like each adopter that, that really finally ends up taking my foster home, like it's, it's like a new person to be like a billboard for our message or our mission or however you want to put it. Um, that's kind of fun and inspiring in itself. Well, and that's so great. Cause I feel like every pet parent I know, like all they basically want to do is show you pictures of their pets. <laughs> oh my and God. so this yeah. is like a group that gets as excited to see the photos as you are to share them. Like, oh, that's like so a cool. medical <laughs> dog that gets adopted. You've got like a hundred plus people going, we want to see updates on your dog. You know, that's the best feeling ever. Like, yeah, we've been following your dog since 2017. Of course we still want updates. Um, So that's really fun. Dog nerds unite. That's amazing. What a great community. I mean, and I love that too. I mean, it sounds like, I hate to use this term, but like 
I'm not going to use it. Never mind. <laughs> but but no, it sounds like from like the very beginning, from fostering all the way through the adoption process. I mean, you're right there, making sure it's a good fit that everyone has like the knowledge they need. Mm-hmm. That, that you're ensuring, like you're like their safety net. Like, well, no, we got you. Like, you don't need to be nervous about this. You don't yeah. need to be nervous about fostering, adopting. We're gonna make sure that this makes sense for you. Um, and for the that's really what sucked me into the love pit for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lifetime relationship, I think, for the adopter and for the dog. We have so many teams that just seamlessly pass it off from bully buddy to medical to po- to post adoptions, and then you know to PRs. We just kind of keep the cycle going. But it's really about not just getting a dog out of the shelter into a home, but making sure that dog is rescued and rehabilitated and set up for a happy lifetime. I mean, all your programs too. I mean, it sounds like (laughs) from the kids, from like, Mm -hmm. you're just like, hey, here's why, like, here's all this information about pit bulls and dogs in general that will probably, like, you'll carry with you for the rest of your life. I mean, I know the more I learned about pets, the more I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Like, I think a lot of people maybe come to like adopting a pet or wanting to like create a family and they're like, well, I want this style dog and I want it and I'm going to name it this. And they have this like preconceived idea of like Mm. what it will be like. And I know for me, like as soon as I started learning more about pets, I'm like, oh, everything I thought I wanted, I do not want at all. (laughs) And so, I mean, even... I mean, the pitbulls I've met, I know I'm like, you are nothing like I thought you would be. Mm-hmm. Like you are like little sweethearts and all you want to do is cuddle with me. Like that is exactly the opposite of what everyone, or I don't know, the stereotype what is. some people think. Forget it. Yeah. 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 Big goofballs. Definitely. Well, so is there, I know it's, it sounds like there are just so many pets that have come in through the rescue, medical cases and, and whatnot. Um, are there a few that come to mind that like their story has been something that you kind of carry with you th- as you do rescue? I mean, cause I know there are definitely some that have hit my heartstrings. <laughs> Jeez. There's so many good ones to choose from. Do you have one at the top of your head, Brooke? So I do. So my, well, I think you know who I'm going to say, but it was my very <laughs> first foster uh, last year. And I, I got him in February. His name was Jersey. And he was just this big blue oaf of a dog. Like he was so gentle and just such a little hangdog face, like such an old man in a dog's body, such a good dog. <laughs> and so um, he, but he loved to chew. Like he loved to just kind of like suck on blankets and destroy toys. Um, <laughs> and he was, he did a meet and greet and he was like hours away from getting adopted. But it was the weekend and he kept throwing up which you know sometimes dogs throw up and like whatever it's not a big deal (laughs) when he threw up it like it smelled like poop like it did not smell right and he just and I remember he well (laughs) I just what to look for you know and we put him in the backyard to kind of kind of work through it and as my husband said he's like this just looks like a dog who's trying to die like it looks so terrible so we kind of put him in our laundry room where we have tile and like let's just let's just go there overnight and, and so I, I, I messaged our medical team, and this was probably 11 o'clock at night, and our medical team immediately got back to me and said, just did the check, check his gums, check this. He said, he's probably fine. Um, call him back in the morning. So we put him in there. I go check on him like 30 minutes later, and he's thrown up blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I call our medical team back, and she said, okay, I'm going to call the ER, get there as fast as you can. So it turns out he had a blockage in his, in his intestines, and he just he looked so 
terrible. So we got him scheduled to get the, the blockage removed, but he just wasn't getting any better after that. So um, I took him back in and they did some more exploratory surgery. And it turned out that like, I think 10 to 12 inches of his intestines had gotten necrotic and they mm. had to remove that, which is, that has like a, maybe a 10% chance of survival. So mm -hmm. our, our founder, Afton Bell, was very involved in this and she was calling the vet and keeping me involved and really being a liaison. Like everybody in TLP got behind this dog. We started PR campaigns. We got the message out there. I mean, the, the surgery was like $10,000 and he only had a 10% chance of survival. And I remember being on the phone with Afton and she said, I just got off the phone with the vet. He's on the table right now, he's under. They think he has a 10% chance of survival. And she said, they, they, they recommended we put him down. He said, we just don't wake him back up. And I was at work and I just started crying. And Ashton said, I want to fight for this dog. She said, if there's any percent of chance, I, I want to take it. And I, wanna, I, I, I don't care what it costs. Like, I want to make this dog survive. So uh, we removed his intestines and he's staying at, at the vet. And I remember every night my husband, I would have to pick him up from the vet and take him to a 24 hour ER vet. And then in the morning at like 6 a.m., pick him up from there and take him back to the regular vet because he couldn't be alone. And I went up and visit him every day. And the, the, the vet would tell me, like, I just, I just don't think he's, he's just not going to make it. Like, he's just not doing very well. But I just, I, you know, and I, I would sit with him in his big crate and he had all these tubes going into his, his paws and he couldn't walk very far. But, like, I would just, I would talk to him and I would sit with him. And slowly he started to make progress. Like, he started to get better every day. And if, if I couldn't make it, my husband would go up there. Um, if he couldn't make it, like, we had other volunteers who, who I'd never even met, who had never met Jersey, but they just knew the story. Mm -hmm. And they would go up to the vet and say, can I sit with him for a little bit to keep him company? And so after, I guess, a couple of weeks, like, he, he finally went home and he made a full recovery and he got, um, he went to a different family about a month later and he is doing so well. Like, his, I think his, his owner, like, works in an auto shop. Now he's like the shop dog. And he loves to go for rides and he loves to just greet everybody. So it was just such an incredible story. All everybody in the TLP family really coming together to pull this dog through. Like so many dogs passed away from this condition. It, like mathematically or, or statistically or whatever, this dog should not have survived. Mm -hmm. He really shouldn't have. But he is thanks to everybody just refusing to give up. Um, he made it and he's doing great. He's a miracle he's dog. Let me foster again. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> Well, and I love that you said, like, when he was going through his treatments and things, um, you know, volunteers would show up that you had never even met, like people that just connected with his story um, by hearing it on social media or on a post or things like that. I think that's just like the epitome of like rescue, like it's just human connection. Like, yeah. People don't know each other. Most people have never even met each other. Um, you know, we have come from different backgrounds, but we all sort of unite together over one animal. And it, it's, it's just, I think it's just really beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think definitely. people all respond to that in animals. Like we all kind of relate to that, you know, animals like ask for so little. They, I mean, any, whether it's like a crazy up and down roller coaster like Jersey or a mange dog like Bueno, um, mm -hmm. kidney infection, I could go on, you know, a dog. I've been amazed at what just like a healthy diet and kind of sort of like the bare minimum does for a dog. I've seen a handful of foster dogs go from near death, terrible, terrible bodily like shape to just this thriving animal. And people are like, what did you do? It's like, well, not as much as you might think. 
Like you just give yeah. a dog a little love and structure you and give up on it. Yeah. <laughs> and some healthy food and supplements and they can really thrive. Definitely. I mean, and it just sounds like, I mean, with Jersey, if it weren't for you stepping up and being this mm-hmm. champion for, for this dog who could, like, can't say like, no, I think it's going to work out. Like, give me a chance. <laughs> I mean, they can't say that, but you were like, no, like, let's give him a chance. Let's go the yeah. extra mile and rallying the troops basically. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you say it's so little, but it, that, that amount makes such a big difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've seen that yeah. all the time here. I mean, just one person like taking a dog off the street or, or saying like, no, like I disagree with, like respectfully disagree with your medical opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's, let's give this a go. Um, I mean, and I think too, giving them that chance just means that other dogs down the road can also be given that chance because they're like, no, remember we did this with, with a dog before and it worked out like, let's, let's do it again. And I mean, you can't increase those odds unless you, people are, are willing to take that chance. Um, it's, it's so incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there a pet, uh, for you, Mallory too? I honestly, I don't think I can there choose probably a one. Few, yeah. I've had, yeah, I've, I've had, um, you know, Brooke and I have both had a ton of fosters. Um, but I think that that's my biggest takeaway is, is, from a puppy to a senior foster, um, you know, I, like I had one dog who could hardly walk, whose his name was Quincy, and in the matter of maybe like four or five months, with just some supplements and exercise, this dog's ankles went from like non-existent, like a ninety-degree angle on the floor, to super healthy happy dog. Um, and that's what I was referencing. You know, it's like, I feel like I just did the bare minimum. I feel like I just Mm -hmm. gave him the time of day. Um, but you know, it, that's so true for all of us. Like if somebody out there listening loves pit bulls or any kind of dog or any kind of animal, um, you know, there's so much you can do truly in your own house, in your own home, like giving a heartworm preventative once a month or Mm -hmm. going on a walk and, you know, you could probably, I don't want to be liable for anybody's walks gone bad, but you could probably YouTube some great tips on how to leash train your dog. And every time, you know, a pit bull or any dog is out on the leash, having a positive experience, it makes your neighbors think, right? It makes other people go, Hmm, look at that person with their animal there. And when you get in like the shelter environment, it just sort of blows my mind. We go to the shelter at least once a month, a group of us. And that's the thing that blows my mind. I think of all my fosters and I think of all these dogs like stuck there kind of like in a jail cell and a lot of them are scheduled to be euthanized. And if they'd just been taught to be comfortable in a crate, they wouldn't have eaten through the drywall or run away. Or if they'd Mm -hmm. just been, you know, taught how to be on a leash or not to jump on the kids over and over. And so, you know, sometimes things are a lot to ask of people, but it's just like building blocks. Like you do these little things for these dogs and it all adds up and it really makes the difference. It's this huge domino effect that if, if you can like get this information out there and each person is responsible for themselves and their pet, like that's one less exasperated family that has to surrender their animal. Mm -hmm. 
Totally. I mean, and that comes back to volunteering too. I mean, I can imagine how hard it must be for you to go into the shelter and have to say you, you, and you, and then leave the rest behind. Um, I mean, I, I think about that too. I'm like, of course I'm going to foster moving forward, even after COVID's over, because for me, it's like, because what's going to happen to those animals otherwise? I mean, if I can just give them a little space and love, I mean, that's the bare minimum for me <laughs> and it's totally doable. Um, but so at awesome. The, well, I mean, I feel like people think it's so much bigger too than it actually is. Like once you start doing it, you're like, oh, this is fine. And frankly, it's probably It feels like a huge first step, but <laughs> you just bring them into your pack and they just assimilate into your pack and it's just, it becomes your new every day. Yes. We kind of call, we call fostering, um, it's what we call dog math, but if you can save <laughs> one dog, like say you pull one dog from the shelter, that's opening up their space in the shelter for another dog to come in. So when you foster one dog, you're really saving at least two. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, it's, it's so true. Um, well, so we actually work with a ton of like really small mom and pop animal rescues. So I'm wondering just on like more of the business side, if maybe you can lend your expertise to them. I'm, <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot by any means, but I'm wondering if, if you each had one recommendation, because I mean, so many of these groups, they have like one in two people, right? And they're just getting the foot off the ground. I mean, it, it is that addictive quality of animal rescue where oh gosh, yeah. you, you start volunteering or you take in one dog and you're like, no, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start an animal rescue. Right. Um, and you're like, okay, get my nonprofit um, certification and, and then get going. So, I mean, as they're trying to get off the ground, of course, we've seen like fundraising is a big deal, but like on the PR side and on like more of like the program side, I'm wondering if each of you ha had a recommendation, like what's a good first step? Like what That's is an awesome, awesome question. Yeah. I think um, something like Brooke and I have each learned so much, not just about dogs and dog rescue, but like, I mean, I feel like there's a huge personal development aspect of getting to be involved with TLP. That's what we call the love pit for short. Um, <laughs> and so something I have learned from our founder, who is Afton Bell, and our executive um, director, Amanda Newman, is is sort of when you, you jump into it, right, and you've got like all this emotion behind it. Um, our rescue started with Afton Bell finding this pit bull named Sweet Pea on the side of the road. That was back in 2015. And then she had this huge emotional response, you know, with all these donors that she didn't even know on social media. And then you kind of have to sit back and go, okay, there's a lot of rescues out there, right? There's a lot of people wanting to save dogs. How can I really make a difference? Like, why should I be the one to get involved? And so she came up with this mission statement about um, rescuing, rehabilitating, training, and advocating for pit bulls in order to reduce the homeless population of pit bulls. And so from there, something that Afton and Amanda are both really good about is like each time we create a new program, each time we build out a new team is, so TLP has our big overarching mission statement and each thing we do basically needs to contribute to that. Um, and each program or team sort of has a I guess you could call it like its own miniature mission statement. And so that's something that's really helpful for me is that even and probably for Brooke, like, so even if you're doing stuff on PR, it's like, okay, but what is the drive behind this? And what, you know, how do I want to get people excited to get involved with this specific 
you know, push for donation or push for volunteers with the new program. Um, and it really, I don't know, it's been a game changer for me personally to kind of continue to grow different branches of the rescue because, you know, I, I can save one to two fosters at a time, but we need to get more humans excited in, like I said earlier, like that domino effect, right? That's mm -hmm. like where it's at. We need to get, get it going. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree with that. I think my mind would be, if Mal's is knowing your why, I think mine would be tell other people their why. And I think that starts with storytelling, especially on PR. So the way Afton inspired people when she found Sweet Pea was not, hey, I found this dog and needed help. It was really telling her story and telling the story of the pit bull and inspiring people that way. So if you are a small rescue, tell that story and tell why people need to get involved and what their help can do for you. So like Ma Mallory touched on, nobody in TLP is paid. So you know that every time you make a donation, it's going to our heartworm dog fund to our orthopedic fund. It's going to support TLP HQ in, in Dallas. Um, so I think people feel good about donating to us because they know it's not going into our pockets. Like it's actually going in to help the dogs. Mm -hmm. I think that gives them a sense of purpose. So every time you want to share a dog, um, I mean, there are so many stray dogs. Why should I help yours? I, I think might be the back of some people's heads. So I think just emphasizing that story, telling the story of your rescue and telling people, telling the story of this dog and telling people why they should get involved. Is just, that's a that's really good point. Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And so I guess if we're talking to like other rescues or rescue starting out, um, yeah, you kind of want to ask yourself why, why should someone support me? Like, you know, because everyone, everyone doing good deserves support, but yeah. You're, you're just going through the motions. You're going day to day. So it's to think on it for yourself, just to stay kind of like, keep your eye on the true mission and the true goal. That's so helpful to keep in mind, you know, like, what are we doing yeah. differently? How are we adding value to other people? And I like, I just, I just really feel so strongly about the love pit. I think all of our teams put a lot out into the community. Um, but I think every group can kind of ask themselves that. And I think what sets us apart too, Mallory, because um, Mallory is also in charge of our Thrive, uh, our Thrive program, 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 program yeah. which is a, <laughs> uh, which is a, it's a fund that we have that specifically supports um, senior dogs or dogs with um, acute illness. I think you see, I think the rescue space is very crowded with negativity. Maybe it's blaming people. Maybe it's like this dog's going to die. It's just, there's a lot of doom and gloom and bad feeling in rescue. And I think when, when Mallory and I create the content and try to engage people and try to raise funds, we always want to stay focused on the positive. Mm -hmm. So we had this one dog named Frito, which I sent a picture of him, but he was just this little, this chonky little tan puppy we got. And his owner had dumped him at the shelter because she wanted to breed him, but it turned out he had a heart murmur. And when we got him in our rescue, we found that his heart murmur was so severe that he's only going to live like four or five more years. But he is, he's the happiest dog you've ever seen and so when we promoted him and tried to raise funds for his care I don't I really did not want to focus on look at this awful human who abandoned this sad poor dog like I want to say look at this incredible dog who despite what life has given him he's, he's so happy that he has enough life for three dogs and mm -hmm. I think that's also what sets us apart is we, we aim to inspire people and not instill guilt so maybe if you're a smaller rescue but I would to me I think focusing on the positive has brought us better results yeah. I agree. 
That's, I mean, and you do, so you obviously do such a good job. I mean, it's shown by the amount of volunteers you have and how passionate you speak about, about everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do love, I mean, I love how you break it down your fundraising like goals. So like for me, if I like had a super big heart for like these moms and babies, I'm like, okay, like going to donate to you. Absolutely. Whereas if I was like, all I want is to give to seniors and to make sure like they are like yeah, happy and healthy and whatever sleepy or, <laughs> or whatever else. Uh, whatever the comfortable on the couch. Exactly. Um, yeah. I love how you that was a that really out. cool. Yeah. It was, it's really important to us again, for the storytelling and for donators, for, yeah, for donors to support us on a personal level. So when you go to our sponsor page and, and you decide to make a nation to TLP, you can choose which fund it goes to. And so for me, that's important because I said I have two mama dogs, and so I love to support the mama dogs. But my first dog also had um, heartworms, so I love knowing exactly where my money's going. I'm not throwing a wad of money and hoping you spend it right. Like I can decide how these dogs are cared for, which we thought was just a really fun way for people to feel personally involved. So if you can't foster, you can donate. You can help these specific dogs. And if you can't donate, you can share that link, and maybe somebody else can. Like there's always something you can do to help pit bulls from where you are with what you have. Yeah. And if you don't have, you know, a thousand dollars, it really seriously doesn't matter. You can schedule on our website. You can pick what cause you want. You can schedule five bucks a month. And that makes a world of a difference for us because we have to strive in everything we do to be responsible and make plans financially so that we don't ever fail these dogs in our program, you know, so every $5 that we can count on that's coming in monthly, like clockwork, like that, is seriously life or death for some of these dogs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. take it really seriously. And we really appreciate every time somebody clicks, I'm, I'm in there weekly and I'm <laughs> like just cheesing ear to ear. Totally. <laughs> and I feel like I love that you break out like spay and neuter and heartworm dogs, because mm-hmm. I feel like talk about like a bang for your buck. Probably if I was like donating to those programs, I'm like, I know like this is going to save so much pain and so much trouble. And it's like, yeah, maybe I can't donate to like this dog struggling with mange or something. I can't give a thousand dollars, but it's like, I know if I throw into that fund, like that's one less dog with heartworm, which is people don't realize that like how, how, what terrible consequences can come from that being unchecked and untreated Um, or like spay and neuter. I mean, you're saving probably like, who knows how many dogs? dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's, it's, it's kind of like a fun way to give too. Cause you're just like, who am I going to give to today? <laughs> like what program <laughs> am I going to support there? I'm so happy you think so. Cause I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, so, I mean, as we wind down a little bit, um, I know you both have so many dogs in your home and have probably encountered so many dogs that this is going to be hard, <laughs> but we have kind of some fun questions. Um, so if your dog was president, what would be the first thing he did? Oh man. I mean, he would mark in the, on the oval office. <laughs> he would mark the oval office. Is that what you said? Yeah. The very uh, first thing he would do is he would walk. That'd be the chihuahua though, not the football. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Don't speak ill of the pit bulls on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. No, that's that's the Chihuahua rescue spot. No, Mm. I'm keeping. I don't know. What would you say, Mal? 
Um, I think all of mine would co collectively relegate the humans to the edges of the bed because they like to put their little selves <laughs> yes. smack dab in the middle and take up. Like, I have like this tiny pit bull that is, he's probably like considered a pocket pit and mm -hmm. he's our foster fail slash win. Um, he's the teeniest little guy and I think he takes up more room than our 95 pound uh, yellow Labrador. So. I've I feel like it's always the small ones that take up the most little man syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have no idea why. I have like a tiny, tiny beagle and I swear he he pushes me and my boyfriend off the bed every single night. And I'm like, <laughs> like I don't know. Universal. How you do it I don't get long. it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, so what is one trick your dog taught you? <laughs> ha! That's good. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. My current foster, his name is Lenny, available for adoption at thelovepit.org. <laughs> He's about eight years old. He is um, lovingly referred to as a gargoyle or an alien because he <laughs> has the biggest head ever and he uh, just, I don't know, he has the funniest mannerisms ever. So I love him dearly, but he has me trained that he doesn't like for me to like he doesn't like loud noises or confrontation. He used to be like the most fearful dog in America. And now he's totally come out of his shell, but I still have to turn my, I have to turn away for him to use any doorway. And so it's funny, like my <laughs> eventually learned it. I know this is hard to describe like with no visual, but yeah, I have to like turn my back to him and then he enters his crate. And if he wants to go potty, I have to like open the door for him and then turn my back and wait. I don't know if he like feels like I'm challenging him, you know, cause there's all this body language to mm -hmm. delve into, but I've never run into that one until Lenny. So when people like my parents have learned it, or at least my mom, you know, people are like, Oh, you can't just open the door and stare at Lenny. He's not just going to pass through the threshold. Like don't be ridiculous. So that's one I thing. I love that. That's like kind of eccentric. But <laughs> kind of <This> is, <laughs> eccentric is a good word for Lenny. So yeah. He's the easiest dog because he's Funny like a throw pillow, but he just, yeah, you got to go check him out. He's seriously the cutest gargoyle on the planet. <laughs> Brooke, what about you? I, I feel like Pearl has you like, trained like, all through and through. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I think it's just like the, it's the space, back, back to the little dog syndrome, it's just like the space I occupy on the couch. Like I wish I could send you a picture of Pearl. She just has the grumpiest. And like the side eye, and she goes, <laughs> when she's mad about something. So I think I've just been trained to be comfortable in contorted positions because when uh. she is sitting somewhere, she is sitting there <laughs> and she's not moving. Like you can be eating, she's not going to mess with your food, she's not going to knock over the wine, she's not going to bark at the door, but she is sitting right there. So I have I have kind of learned to to surf to soleil on the couch. Like the dog's the dog's comfort is. So I guess what she's taught me is her comfort is priority. priority I'm impressed because my dogs all lunge for the wine. Not lunge, but like their winos. And I didn't even try to let them ever have any, but. I never did either. And then my, uh, my dog that just got adopted. She, the foster or the, the adopter texted me and she's like, did you give him wine? Cause he is so interested in my glass. And I was like, no, he just knows. Disclaimer. The, the none ritual. of us do this. Yeah. Like no we one at the level dogs alcohol, but I don't know what it is. My dogs try it over and over. They just want to sniff the year. They just want to get the bouquet. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're ready to celebrate. I think they sell like dog 
They do show, I think, dog champagne. But like that, not. Oh my God. Not real. Like non-alcoholic. <laughs> yes. Not, yeah, it's not Just like a, it's Friday night and pulling out the treats for me <laughs> and you. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. And then, um, so our last question, I know it's a little bit harder, but <laughs> if you had to pick one life motto, what would it be? Jeez, oh, you didn't give us a heads up on this one. I know. One Sorry. motto. It's more fun if it's on the spot because then you because <laughs> then you really it's like what is the first thing that comes to mind? Oh man. Life model. Something about being um do I make myself sound good or do I go honest? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would go honest. <laughs> I mean like dogs and what what's important in my life or what's my motto dogs and wine and Netflix is all I need that's that can't be true <laughs> I mean that's it true for me though, I think. Yeah. <laughs> especially right now mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a motto but one thing that I say over and over is just that we don't deserve dogs like my dogs oh. are just such <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I hate when they bark at the door and, and they and there's dog hair everywhere. My second one was just embrace the hair. Um, but they're just, <laughs> embrace the hair. you know, it, it's the same cliche thing. Like they love you no matter what. And they're so solid and they're so there and present. And after everything they've been through, they still love us. And just sometimes I look at them, you know, and I just think like, I don't, I don't deserve a dog. What did I do to deserve dogs? And so humans don't deserve dogs, but I'm glad that we have them. Yeah, I totally agree. As cheesy as it is, like so much can be modeled after dogs, like kindness and resilience and simplicity and I don't know. Maybe enjoying. not hygiene, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> no, and even like going to Pearl, I mean, she like is a strong, confident woman, and she's like, <laughs> it's like oh, she's oh, a role yeah. model, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like, I am, I feel like with, with the pets I have now, I'm just like, they're teaching me like, no, you deserve this. Like, <laughs> like nutrition Aww. goes a long way. You deserve this. I'm like giving them the best. I'm like, well, I should probably not eat a frozen burrito then. So, <laughs> or like, you know, um, that's awesome. There's so many, you can, so much you can learn from animals. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just want to thank you ladies. I feel like we started this podcast just to like hear your stories. And I feel like it's been so nice through quarantine because I'll like get in a bummer mood and then I'll hear from, from rescuers like you guys. And it just like lifts my spirit in such a very real way. Like hearing the good that's being done, hearing like the hope that's out there for, for all these animals and, and the good in the world. It's really been so inspiring. Yeah. That's so awesome. I love to hear that. I feel like we've been working with you guys for so long and I, I feel like I'm walking away from this, like learning like so much more. Like I had, like, I just had no idea, like the different programs that a lot of um, uh, rescues do and like even like the programs that you guys do for, um, you know, fosters and educating children and things like that. I just, good. So yeah, much. Sid's going to be yeah. your next foster now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I told you right after this. <laughs> well, we love working yeah, with I mean, anybody who wants to, yeah, anybody wants to learn more about fostering, you can just go to uh, thelovepitrescue.org and you can learn everything about the dogs we have available, um, our foster programs, our next-gen programs, um, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're always sharing stuff about that. 
Yes. And I'll we- include all that in the show notes too and the blog. Cool. So cool. if anyone's interested, we can definitely, I mean, <laughs> there is so much to see there too. I mean, your program is incredible. Even just your website. I'm like, there's so much here. It's incredible. It's like, there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for so- saying that. I do want to kind of plug that, um, you know, we have like an accountant in New York. We've got um, someone on our volunteer team our volunteer living out in California. in California. Yeah. So seriously from anywhere um any walk of life we we have a ton of stuff available so no borders so anyone who wants to get involved you can do it people lovers <laughs> everywhere Absolutely. thank y'all so much for having us on oh yeah thank you so yeah, much thank you, thank you so much this was fun <laughs> it was fun all right <laughs> i will talk to you soon all right you guys have a good one all right okay. it was such a blessing to be able to sit with Brooke and Mallory today and talk all things about their rescue, the love pit. Uh, You know, just hearing about all of the incredible things they do. They inspire volunteers. They raise awareness about pit bulls and other discriminated breeds. They even go as far as supporting their community as well as the animals they take in in every possible way. It's such a beautiful thing. Uh, I love talking about all the different programs they have. That's incredible. Um, Yeah, it was just amazing. If you want to learn more about the love pit you can find it on our blog at cuddly.com also you can check out our show notes um, don't forget to rate like and subscribe also you can follow us on social medias at we love cuddly that's c-u-d-d-l-y thanks guys